Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahiri, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that that this will bless you. For the message today, we're in the book of Revelation. If you want to turn in your Bibles or a church-provided Bible underneath one of the chairs in front of you there or your maybe a Bible app, you can turn to the, the very last book of the, the Bible and the New Testament. We're in the second to last chapter, Revelation chapter 21. There's an outline provided for you in the bulletin. And if you'd like to, to follow up with me, as always, with the Connect card, feel free to do that. Uh, Revelation chapter 21 today, and next week will be the exciting and encouraging conclusion to the book of Revelation, uh, the 22nd chapter, so I encourage you to come to that. These chapters before us uh, are so encouraging, and I am excited and pumped. This is what I look like, pumped. Okay, Uh, all right. Is there a God or not? Uh, People ask, right? Is there a creative, good, loving, personal being and force behind all of existence? Or is this all just a natural world, a happy accident in all its vastness and intricacies from the galaxies to the microbials? Is all just an accident, including your life? And if that's the case, with no particular story behind any of it. But we have stories, don't we? You have a story. We have stories. We have life journeys. We have adventures. And it makes one think, if, there, if we all have stories, and if we all love stories, that, that this is all coming from somewhere, part of a greater ongoing story. So another way to ask, is there a, a God, that type of question, is to ask, is there a story or not? Because if there are stories, then I think, where did they come from? Right? Where did they come from? I think the great storyteller, capital S, is very, very real. And indeed, the story the storyteller is telling us is our reality. He spoke, and our reality came to being. And it was good. And the scripture says he wanted to walk with us in the cool of the garden. And he did. And he wanted and always has wanted the very best for us. We call that love. But we strayed outside of his limits for us. And the first ones and all of us have all hid from God in shame. We have all tried to write our own story in some ways separate from the great story. As if our parts are more important than his whole story or more important than any other's part. I believe the Bible tells the story of the God who wanted creation to exist, who wanted creatures, beings to exist, and particularly male and female, he made them in his image. God loved these creatures, loved us even when we were unfaithful to him, even when we were harmful to each other. This God loved us and started weaving relationship with people through the ages, through the nations, and through one particular nation he called out. He set apart this nation for his story. 
At the heart of that nation eventually came a capital, the capital city, Jerusalem, a city of peace. Jerusalem, shalom, at the end of that name of that city, means wholeness or restored peace. That's what its name means, a city of peace. And God's Spirit would dwell there. This is the story He wanted to dwell, to dwell there, the story He wanted to tell. He would dwell there in a meeting place where humans could, could meet as a house of prayer for all nations. Showing the light and the reality that there was a God, a true storyteller for all people, and people's lives did have meaning and purpose. Your life does have a story. But this city, this city's story would include one day the storyteller coming down into the city. The storyteller coming down in human form, actually born just outside the city in a smaller city, Bethlehem. This, this storyteller came down, born not part of the aristocracy, not part of the religious elite. Instead, the story would be that he was born of a virgin mother from a small Galilee town called Nazareth. He was born of a royal lineage, but yet he was an outsider. He would journey to that special story, that, uh, that special city, I should say, that, that city of peace, Jerusalem. He would journey there many, many times in his life. He would see its temple, visiting it first with his parents when he was an infant, but then later on, even as a child. He would see, though, sadly, the mess it was becoming that though it was destined to be a house of prayer, it was turning into something else. And as he was growing in stature, he was learning and growing into the storyteller position that the other storyteller had sent him to become. Jerusalem, this city of peace, had become, like the rest of our humanity, a, a mess where our storyteller, our God, the Son of God, who loved us so deeply, ended up being crucified on a cross, executed by those own creatures that he had made. And this seems, as we read the story, to be a tragic ending to a story, the hero getting killed, the characters of the story denying the author's very intent revolting and killing the author of life. But something happened. On the third day, the story continued. He rose up from the dead, alive and resurrected and witnessed by many, teaching and preparing them to go and share. And eventually he ascended into the heavens. What now of this story? What now would they do with this story? With a God like this, so involved in his own story, so involved in his own creation. If this story is true, as first believers wondered, and this all really happened in front of us, and our eyes had seen, and our hands had touched it, what now will happen one day? with the story that's before us. Don't we all ask that? What is our destiny? 
the destiny of the, the human story? Would the author of this story, the God of this story, would he have a poor ending to his cosmic story? The story of creation, salvation, crucifixion, resurrection? No. God, the author, has a majestic ending to the story. And an ending that is truly a new beginning. A restoring of the story of God wanting to walk with us in the cool of the day. Let's pray and prepare our hearts as we get to hear this ending, the new beginning. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, dear Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. You are the author of our life and our faith. You alone should we rightly fear. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should our lives be founded upon, and you are the God who writes the story, the God who wants the best for all people, the God who came into his own story, the God who gives this perfect ending. May we have ears to hear, Lord. I pray for your people that are listening here and online that they would be praying for themselves and for each other, that this would be it's an amazing time of glorifying worship to you. And that they would be deeply, richly encouraged. And like the church through the ages, that we would be built up to be your sharers of the good news, of the good story. That others may know you are very real. Your hope is very real. And you are coming again. I pray this in Jesus' name. Without further ado, chapter 21 of Revelation. John receiving this vision. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is the second death. 
Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in a in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed and on the three east gates, on the three north gates, on the south three gates and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them, were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, the same as its width. And and he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia, or in our measurement, just shy of 1,400 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits. Cubit is 18 inches. 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysopase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no sun or, or ne- has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations will walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations but nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What an encouraging vision has been revealed to John, just mind-blowing, and and, and maybe as you heard it, it just overwhelmed with the images of, I can't even imagine what some of these things would look like. Right? 
Well, the, what we know is the former things are passing away. What, what is going to come, the future certain history, if you want to say it that way, is going to be different from what we experience here, very different. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and it says the, the sea will be no more. Now, there will obviously uh, be water, and, and how God wants to develop that into oceans is God's business. But what, what this actually means, what it says there is sea will be no more, in case you're a sea-loving person and worried that, that there will be no seascapes or something. This is, this is a, a reminder of that the sea was an image in the book of Revelation and in the Jewish mindset in particular for chaos. Uh, the, the, the whore of Babylon, back in the previous chapter, she sat on the sea that was people that she had misled and, and that, that did evil things made up the sea. And that sea will be no more, meaning there will be no more chaos, no more brokenness. So be careful to over-literalize some of these images and think, ah, there'll be no more sea, so there's no more water. That's not the point of it, right? There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Things will be made new and he will be wiping every tear away. And this is a very personal image, right? Maybe it's very personal for you. It should be. The God who uh, the scriptures say he captures every tear in a bottle. And perhaps we come to eternity even with pain in our hearts, but he gives us the perfect consolation there. Death will be no more. Mourning will be no more. No more crying, no more pain. It's hard to imagine, right? Um, my mother uh, died with a hole in her chest, not a physical hole. But she talked about what the ache was like for her to lose her grandson, Teddy, my nephew, at age three and a half. And we talked about that many times. And she said, when, when will that hole go away? I feel like I have a physical hole in my chest. There's no more hole for my mother. She's passed on to glory and one day there will be no more hole for, for you in your heart if you've lost a loved one or you grieve over something that's broken in this world. In God's story, the former things have passed away and he's bringing all to a perfect resolution. He is working all things to this end. He is the one who makes all things new. He is the one who makes all things new. The one who is on his throne, the Father and the Son of God, the Lamb of God, working together. We see that image here. They are one. They're telling the story together. Behold, I am making all things new. Do you believe this? Sometimes we get discouraged and dissuaded from believing it, but it is true. God is, God is working this story through his history. Is this trustworthy and true? He says to John, write this down. You'll be tempted to forget it. You'll be tempted to deny it. Write it down, John. Write it down. Tell it. Tell it to your churches. Tell it to the peoples. You'll be tempted to forgive it. It is trustworthy and true. He is making all things new. This is not silly dreaming. This is not wishful thinking. Write this down. Write it on your hearts. He is making all things new. You have a discouraging day this week. He's not giving up. He's not stopping. Write this down on your hearts. This is trustworthy and true. You lose a loved one, right? You go through a hard season, Persevere in the Lord. This is trustworthy and true. He is making all things new. As certain as our lives exist, and they do exist, so certain am I of this, that God is real. And this God who is real 
is not a flimsy God who can't figure out how to tell his own story. This is a certain God who will tell his story and his story will come to be as he wants it and he is a faithful, persevering God and he is going to make a new heaven and a new earth and it is going to come into existence and it's going to be a story full of life where death and pain and fear and anxiety and grief and disease and addiction and evil and sin are no more. Now we live in this world where there is life and death. Life and death. But God is the author of life. And we hear glimpses of death even in this chapter of the brokenness and those who will choose death in deathly ways, right? And the second death or the lake of fire. But make no mistake, it's God doesn't want that. God is, God is authoring life. He longs for all to live. God is offering life. God God is offering life for our future. He wants beauty, deep beauty. He wants deep security for you and for me. We are thirsting for that here on earth. I think even the non-believer doesn't believe in God yet. They're they're thirsting for who God is actually. There's so many non-believers who are longing for, for justice in this world. And one of the reasons they disbelieve in God is they look at the brokenness of the world and they say, how can there be a God? Look at all this, look at that. The brokenness, the death, the pain. But his church needs to show people there is a God. There is a God who cares deeply about the injustice. And he wants to, he's creating, he has been creating a a people who are thirsting more for what he's going to, to do completely In the end, we are to be thirsting more now here on earth for his will to be done, his kingdom to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We are to be thirsting more for his justice, his decency, his charity, his kindness, his love to show people that God is real, his story is real, and it will come about fully one day. And one day we will have his water flowing as a spring of water, refreshing our souls. We will be, by his free gift, we will be like children, heirs to God, heirs of God in this coming age. Heirs of God is one picture the scripture gives. But it also says we will be the bride. The bride. That's a strange image. We will be the bride. uh, And it's it's combined with another image, a bride and a holy city. Maybe you never thought of yourself as a bride. Some of you have because you've been a bride. I haven't been a bride. Don't plan on it either. But here, the church is, the people of God are a bride and the holy city of Jerusalem. And obviously, God is not saying literally, I'm going to transform all of humanity into one giant woman, right, to marry her. That's not what he's saying. This is a a metaphor, a beautiful picture that God wants us in an intense, close relationship, not in any strange way, right? But like you dwell in a city, God wants to dwell with us. We are both a bride and a city where God has close connection with us. The city of Jerusalem, the city of peace where his presence dwells. He wants to dwell with us. He's beginning that now that we have the guarantee or the down payment of that, the Holy Spirit with us now if you believe in Jesus. But one day we will have that close, intimate relationship. There won't be any, any distance or doubts between us and God because we will walk with him. We will see him, right? The Lamb of God will share his life with us. 
And that life is pictured as this giant, secure city of Jerusalem. 12,000 stadia are its sides. It's a cube, if you didn't figure it out. It's a cube. Width, length, height, all the same. About 1,400 miles by our uh, measurements, right? That's gigantic. You know, from, from Palouse to somewhere in the Midwest, is, you know, each, and, you know, I don't know how high that goes in the sky, but a long, long ways. 1,400 miles, that's how high. <laughs> and the idea of 144 cubit thick walls is, in the ancient times, walls were so important. If you have a, if you have a wall that's 12,000 stadia high, ain't no enemy getting over that. Especially if it's guard, each gate is guarded by angels, right? And then you have 144 cubit thick wall. Ain't no enemy getting through that. Super secure. But there ain't no enemy there in the future anyway. It's the ultimate picture of peace and stability. What so many people long for in this life and so many people that are harmed in this life or that are victims, one day there will be no victims. And every child who's felt devalued, every woman abused, Every person will have their image restored by God fully and they will feel fully secure, fully known, without any shame in that city. And they won't be bored rejoicing in the God who knows their tears and brings them home. They won't be bored. They'll be in rapture of that God. And the Lord will be the temple in that city. There will be no need for a physical temple. The whole point of the temple here on earth in the tabernacle was for a place for God to dwell that, that people might know that the story was real, that the storyteller was real, right? But John saw no temple in the city. What a mind-blowing thing for a Jewish guy. Where's the temple? This is the new Jerusalem. Where's the temple? Where's the temple? But the temple is the Lord God. And the tabernacle and the temple plan of the Old Testament is so important with so many measurements that we hear about in the Old Testament, right? Now, though, the dwelling place is not a building, but the dwelling place is with us. And we don't need an intermediary. We don't need a building. This is beyond my imagination. It really is. But I'm looking forward to an eternity that is beyond my imagination. If I had an eternity that was within my imagination, that sounds like a bummer. We have an eternity that is beyond our imagination. And this is why God has to reveal it to us in images. And yes, this is why revelation is, is so overwhelming for many, but it's overwhelming in a good way. And I pray through this journey you've been overwhelmed because that's part of God's gift to us in revelation. For how do we describe what it will be to be in God's presence? How do I describe that to you? How do I try to urge to tell you as a pastor that that is what you really are built for and long for? What images do I try to give? Well, God gives them over and over again. Right? I'll be your bride. I'll be your dwelling place. I'll be your light. I'll be your water. God will fully know you. The God who invented laughter. In fact, made my mom prone to fits of laughter. 
Even in church, that was fun. The God who invented the shade of red that was my nephew's hair. It's just brilliant. The God who knit together your loved one that you miss. To see God. Hmm. To see God and the restored images of God's people who are not marred by any insecurity or pain or disease but restored and and made alive and resurrected as his body is resurrected that we hear about in the Gospels? What will it be for God to be our God? And there'll be no more hiding in this story. And there'll be no more where we have to worry about hiding something from others. It's hard to fathom. But I know this. It will be light. (laughs) Light in every way the word is meant. And the Lamb will be our light forever. The old lights of creation, though I think they may exist in some way and be made new, the moon and the sun and the stars, they're not good enough images, as amazing as these things of creation are, they're not good enough images to describe the light that we will experience Because the Lamb, the Son of God who gave himself for us is the light and our lamp. And it says for all nations. You know the the root word for that in the Greek is ethnos. It's a word that we get ethnicities. It doesn't necessarily mean nation states. It really is about every people group. All ethnicities. All rulers of the earth will have to walk in his light. Undeniable. And that strong light like all light, will reveal stuff. We will be fully known and fully accepted. The good things of creation will be there. Don't worry. You're not going to be disappointed. But we will also get to cherish and, and learn more than we could ever imagine We hear of jewels and things that are precious and valuable here, and it's almost as if John is saying, and they were part of the walls and the pavement up there. A gigantic pearl for each gate. They made a gate out of the pearl. Wow. Things that we couldn't even imagine here, a treasure chest of jewels that I've never seen in my life, just is commonplace there. There's... They're going to shine in that city. But they shine because the most precious thing is the lamb and the lamp that the lamb is. That's what's precious. And if that's precious then, in this future history that we are going to enjoy, then that's what needs to be precious to us now. Not the pursuit of treasures here on earth that will rust and fall apart, but the light of God's love here now. But the way... We get to be in that light, and with the Lamb is to be in the book of the Lamb. That's how this, this chapter ends. We want to be in the book, the book, the Lamb's book of life. These are the last words of the chapter. And if you've been in our journey in the book of Revelation, you've heard this over and over again, the Lamb's book of life. It's a repeated theme of Revelation. The point is, 
There's a book God is writing. There's a story God is writing. And the story has all kinds of characters in it, including, I pray and I hope, you. Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? If it is, praise be to God, thanks be to God. If you've given your, your life to his story, right? Do you want to be in there after hearing how good he is, how good the future is, how much he loves you, how he gave his, his very self for you? Do you want to be there? I do, right? I pray you do. To be with him, to glorify him, to rejoice with others, to see all things new, to feel life as much as we can feel life down here in its fullness, to feel life without any brokenness in God's glorifying presence forever. God, we rejoice in your goodness, God. Who are we that you would want to walk with us in your garden, in your city. But it's your story, God. And you chose to knit us together in various mother's wombs. And you chose to send your son to give his life, his, his body, his blood for our brokenness. Lord, I pray that, that everyone here and in the sound of my voice online, Lord, that they they would receive the invitation to be part of your book, your story. That they would long to live with you forever. And I thank you, God, for the story that you are making all things new. What will it feel like to have you wipe away every tear? Fill every hole and pain with your joy and peace. We can only imagine, God. We can only imagine. And we thank you for giving us this most encouraging, overwhelming vision from Revelation. We thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our next steps, just real briefly. You know, what God says about you matters most. If you have some discouraging things in your life this week, what God says in his word, and if your name is in the Lamb's book of life, that, that's what matters most. So try a breath prayer that help anchor you this week. God, praying to God, your identity of me matters most, God. Be anchored in that. And then if you were encouraged this week by the message and by chapter 21 mainly, that you want to live to glorify God forever, just check that or just, just have that in your heart. I want to live to glorify God forever. It's his story. And if you're interested in attending or just more information on that Wednesday night group coming up, the, the chosen episodes, uh, you can check that box on the Connect card and we'll get you more information or it gives us a sense how many people are coming. Hello, friends. I truly pray that this message blessed you. And if you want to find out more about our ministries or listen to other messages or videos of our worship services, you can check us out at 
palousechurch.org or search for Palouse Church on YouTube or check us out on Facebook or we are on uh, the Bible app. There's different ways to find us. You can always email me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at palousechurch.org uh, to connect with me or to send me a prayer request. We really appreciate you connecting with us in this way, and may God bless your day.